We're in this series, Acorns, and we've been talking about just, if this is your first Sunday, we've been talking about the idea of how that this is small. She's going to try to out-preach me, I think. <laughs> this is small, and it's hard to look at this and think there is a giant tree inside of there, right? Everything that you need for an oak tree is there. It's just hard to imagine that's the case. And what we've said is this, that even though it may seem like there's something small in your life, or even sometimes when you feel small, just understand that, understand this principle, that little is much when God is in it. Little becomes much when God is in it. If you grasp that, the power of small, I want to tell you, it's a transformational step for, for all of us. Luke 12, 32, Jesus said this. Jesus said, do not fear. Well, just grab that right there. Right. Jesse did so much, so good, I thought maybe I don't need to preach because Jesse did. Did she do a good job? I thought, well, that's great, right? I don't know. It's not easy to do that, by the way. And, and then here's the other word that we could, we could just exit. Like, I could have quit. We just went home after Jesse. We could do it now. Do not fear. You get that. You got a lot. Do not. Everybody say it with me. Do not fear. That's what Jesus said. All right. And then he says, little flock. Now, it doesn't matter which version, which English version of the Bible that you go to. Almost, and when I say almost, all but about two, two or three maybe. English, from the Greek, it gives you the same words, little flock. Some, some put dear friends, it's incorrect. Little flock, just small number of people, right? For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Little flock, it's your father, the one who spoke light into existence, the one who, who put the stars out there and they just hang out there, the one who created all that we see. Your father, it's his good pleasure, his desire to give you this incredibly immense kingdom. Isn't that powerful? That even though we're small, God says, I'm going to give you bigger than what you can think, right? Ephesians 3.20 says, unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power in us, that God wants to do much greater than you could, your mind can comprehend or fathom. I hope you get that today, right? The kingdom, the kingdom, God's kingdom, that he's invited you into that and to give you that. I'm going to talk out of Judges uh, 6 and 7 today. When you go to Judges, a lot of people just don't go there, but we're going to go there today. It's, good, it's a good book. Read Judges. It will stretch your, you, you'll ask questions and have to go find the answers, and that's a good thing. I'm going to talk about Gideon. Now, Gideon is a cool cat. I mean, he's one of my favorites. Gideon is the guy. So when I, when I talk about this, if you've been pushing off and pushing off and God's saying serve, and you keep on saying, well, I can't, or maybe steps, you know, you hear, you hear say steps is coming. If you want to connect to Elevation Church, you're like, well, I'll wait till the next time. Just know that's a Gideon move, <laughs> right, to push off. I'm just saying jump in, dive in. I hope you get that today. That, that, that I'm, I'm talking to people, maybe God's calling you, as we heard Jesse say, to enter into a season of, of learning and development for ministry. Maybe it's, maybe it's another area of life where God's calling you to, to serve in the marketplace and, and, and in innovative and creative ways. Maybe God's calling you uh, to ministry, or I'm speaking to some guys that maybe you feel like God's calling you to preach or teach or be activated in evangelism. I'm just saying this. Gideon is a guy you should be familiar with because all of us, all of us, all of us sometimes have a little Gideon quality about us. And, uh, and I'm not saying that as a compliment. Let's watch and see. Judges 6. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse 11. And we'll stop a little bit here. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak. You might just... Underline that for future reference. In Ophrah, that belonged to Joas, the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Let me stop there. Let's, let's just observe some things. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. How many know, maybe we don't know a lot about wine presses or a lot about threshing wheat, 
but we can understand this, that threshing wheat probably isn't done in a wine press. Let me help you. It's not. He's doing that, the Bible says, so he can hide from the Midianites. So let's get who the, who the bad guys are in this story. The Midianites, they are oppressing and persecuting Israel in this time. And, and the Midianites have a history. Um, um, Abraham, some of you know Abraham. Abraham, his wife Sarah, had a son named Isaac before that. Um, the handmaiden Hagar had a son named Ishmael. But after, after that, after Sarah dies, he takes a wife, Keturah. Keturah has a son named Midian. That's where the Midianites come from. And the Midianites, they, they're in the Old Testament, you'll see them pop up here and there. Uh, in fact, when Joseph, his brother, sold him into slavery in Genesis, the latter portion of the book of Genesis, when he sold him into, they sold him into slavery, it says Ishmaelites, which is correct, but, but the even more specific term is Midianites that they sold him to. It was Moses when he went down on the backside of the desert that he met Jethro. He's a priest of the Midianites. In fact, Moses would take a wife, one of the daughters of Jethro named Zipporah. Moses was married to a Midianite lady. And on and on, and at this juncture of Israel's history and development, the Midianites are just pushing on them hard. And Gideon is afraid. In fact, when the angel says, the Lord is with you, some of your Bibles say, mighty man of valor, mighty warrior. Well, Gideon's response is, pardon me. He knows something about himself, and that is he's afraid. He's afraid. Gideon, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all that, listen to these words, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonders and miracles that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian? I want to tell you, that right there, I just got to stop for a moment. That right there is something, over the years, being the role I'm in, I've heard that over and over when somebody says, well... The thing I'm dealing with right now is so big, and I've been praying, and it seems like God has is, is, is left me out here, and he's abandoned me, and I, I can't find any, any resolve or any hope or anything in my situation. Where is God in this? Because look at all the stuff that's happening. In fact, you may be here today and you say, you know, it's happening in my finances. It's happening in my family. seems like the future that I have planned, I can't, I mean, it's happening with my health. And, and you're dealing with those things. Just know this. Just know this. Because here's what God says. Here's what God says in verse 14. The Lord turns to him and, sa and says this. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God doesn't change his mind because of the dilemma and the problems that Gideon has. In fact, he says, just, just understand this. I'm sending you. And then, and then he says again, pardon me. I just told you how little I am. I mean, I, I just told you how bad it is and what I'm dealing with. And he said, but how can I save Israel? My family, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Don't you understand? I know you're an angel. You're, you're coming with a message from God. He doesn't, he doesn't try to dismiss this. He said, just so you know, my family is the smallest. If you want to talk about small, we're small. And I'm the smallest among the smallest of my family. I'm the least. We're the weakest. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And here's, here's, the, here's the answer. You're struggling with stuff in your life. There's stuff that seems bigger than you. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Powerful word that Gideon receives. Sometimes when you see, receive a powerful word, when you hear something, sometimes processing that is difficult because we, what we want to do is we want to find all the reasons why that doesn't apply to us or why that won't work for us. Anybody ever been there? I mean, it's like five of us have been there. Right, we're, we're so so Gideon he he gets out there and he puts the Lord kind of like um, we, we even got a, a term we use today called fleecing 
God, that people say, and, and he, put, he puts a sacrifice out, you know, God, you'll answer by fire if it's you, and God, okay, I'll put the fleece out, and, and uh, it, just, just, Lord, make it all dry, but make the fleece wet. Like, like do, let, let dew just fall on the fleece. Remember last week, if you were here last week, if not, you can go online and, and catch this, but I was just talking about how Baal, right, there, there's Baal worship in Gideon's family, and so Baal, Baal was the Lord of the rain and the dew. And so here Gideon is putting God uh, somewhat in a place of just answering above and beyond anything that Bell would do. Make the fleece wet and everything. And then God does that. I'm like thinking, consume the food. He he's did the fleece thing and now it's worked like. And then Gideon says, okay, this time I want you to do this. I want you to make the fleece dry and make it wet all around it. So then God does that. And, and Gideon's getting a little more, like it's his spiritual development. He's growing. But he really doesn't get the, the kind of um, uh, just courage, to the, the courageous courage to go down. Courageous courage, that's good, isn't it? Because he gets it. He gets it eventually. Because here's, here's the deal. Until he hears the dream that's told, and now he's ready to go. It took a lot. Just look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. So, so, so Gideon's there, and, and he's got, he's got 32,000 men that are going to go with him to battle the Midianites. And that's sounding pretty good. It's not great, because there's 135,000 Midianites. 32,000 compared to 135,000 is, is not the greatest odds. And so God looks at him and says, okay, you got too many. Are you with me? Yeah. Because let me, let me help you. God wants to get the glory, not for us to get the glory. And if we're big enough to do it on our own, then, then we'll think that we caused it to happen. We, we'll think somehow on our own, we'll lean on our own strength and our own ability and say, well, look what I did. Right? God wants to get the glory. God, God many times, well, you, you say, well, I'm in a weak spot. Well, that's when God can work. It's when you think you got it, when you think you're it. Right? He's, he's it, by the way, right? And so, so he says, just t tell the people, like the guys, whoever's afraid, just let them go on home. So he gives them the option. 22,000 of the 32,000 leave and go home. They're like, I'm glad he said that. I didn't want to fight those people anyways. Right? What, what he did was he removed the doubters. Some of you, you're struggling with small in your life, and maybe you got to close your ear to the doubters and the doubt that you experience in your own mind. doesn't mean we don't experience doubt, but it's shutting that down, right? And then, and then God looks at it, and now you got 10,000, 10,000 to 135,000. doesn't sound better, and God says it's still too many. So then he said, go down and drink this water, this stream, and, 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 and there's going to be some guys going to kneel, some going to cup and lap like a dog, separate them, and they separate them. There's 300 over here that, that, that did like a dog because, you know, what we'd want to do is hot, you're dusty, you're going to go fight the Midianites. There's 135,000 of them. There's just 10,000 of us. I want to get refreshed, throw some water in my head, get down in the water a little bit before I go. He said, remove those guys. Those guys were distracted with self because he needs somebody that understands that I got to keep a watchful eye because there is an enemy. Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you, enter not, uh, that you not enter into temptation. So there's a watching, and because they understood there's a mission at hand, right, because when you're doing this, you can, you can look ahead, right? There's a, there's a mission that we're about, not just about self, it's the danger of our world that we get so self-focused that we lose out on what God could do with all of us together, right? So, so what he does is he removes those that would be distracted with self. And so now you got the doubters gone, the distracted gone, and we're going to pick it up in Judges 7. And I'll read a few verses here, pick it up in 16. It says, Then Gideon divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. And when I blow the trumpet, 
I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. It's, it's the darkest part of the night. And just as they had posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke their pitchers that were in their hands, then the three companies blew the trumpets, broke the picture, pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled. And I'm just going to stop right there. I think, I think that uh, I'd encourage you to read these Read chapters 6 and 7 this week and just get more. You'll get more out of Gideon when you read it yourself. But I want us to get this picture because, number one, just understand this. I'm just going to tell you up front. This isn't, this isn't rocket surgery, right? 300 versus 135,000. Sounds like a death sentence. 300, I don't care what army it is in the world. I don't care how trained or untrained. I mean, when I was a kid, we'd watch these kung fu movies. Me and my brother, we loved them. And, and, and they would do, they'd be kind of like this. They would, they would be like, you killed my brother. You know what I'm talking about. And the guy would answer, yes, I did, you know. We weren't, we weren't, watching, we weren't watching for, the, for the, um, the, um, all the things that we're going to say. We weren't, we, didn't, we, weren't, we weren't judging it by the acting. We were looking at that one guy that would come out there. And there's like 30 guys, and he fights every one of them by himself. And when you're, when you're a kid, you're sitting there, and you're thinking, this is pretty cool because you know, he's doing all these moves. And then after it was over, we'd be doing all these moves, you know, right, trying to do that. But you're watching, and if you, this is what I was thinking. I don't know. I think every kid could see this. Maybe not. Some kids watch wrestling and thought it was real. So anyways, watching that, and I'm thinking, why don't like 10 of them just run up at him at once and they could take him. Like it's, like it's not, again, it's not tough. They never did. It was always one-on-one. -on -one. Now, 300 versus 135,000, there's just no possible way to win. It's just no possible. In the natural realm of thinking, in, if, if you're thinking, okay, let's get a good military strategy to conquer the enemy. Let's get 300 men versus 135,000. That's one to every 450 impossible odds no way that you could win and then he says this he tells them right right they we, we see what they do they blew the trumpets they broke the jars they held their torches and they shouted sword of the lord and of gideon what sounds good doesn't it sword of the lord and of gideon check this out they had a trumpet, a shofar. They had a jar that they broke. And they had a torch. And they're crying out something that, is, that, that could be mistaken because they didn't have a sword in their hand. They didn't have a spear. They didn't have a bow and arrow. They didn't, have, they didn't even have a slingshot like David. They have nothing except... Right? I mean, can you imagine the enemy's approaching? Okay, you better watch it. You come one step closer, I'm going to blow my trumpet. I see you over there. I'm a jar-breaking sniper. I'm going to break my jar right now. It's, it's, what, what kind of strategy? It doesn't make sense that you're going to go to battle and you don't have enough people you're, so, you're so, so outnumbered, you don't have any of the equipment or the weaponry that you need to fight a battle. And I think about how many times in life we get to that place where we look at life and we could, we could just say all the stuff we don't have, all the lack that we experience, that we're just small, we're hiding out, trying to do something. 
kind of incognito. So, so this morning, I want to help you because here's what I see with Gideon. I see God taking something small and maximizing it to, to, to potential that was unrealized even by the person that God's calling. It's usually the way it happens. How do we maximize the power of small in our life? How do we maximize the power of small in our life? Well, I think, first of all, when I see this blowing of the trumpet, because they're small, Gideon says he's small, his family's small, now he's got a small group of men in comparison to who he's going to fight. His, his tactics, right, if, if, you could, if you could get the Midianite general commanding officer to come and say, okay, here's the, here's the, here's the kind of warfare we're going to do. It's trumpets and jars and torches and voices. He'd say, okay, right, because it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a small battle plan. We're going to surround him, and then we're going to... When he blows the trumpet, I think there's something in that for all of us. When they blow the trumpet, two things happen. Now, there may be many more things, but two things that, that I'm going I'm to give you for takeaways. The first one is this. When you sound the trumpet, what you're saying is, we're declaring war. When they heard the shofar, all around the camp, they hear this, 300 of them blowing. The way they receive that is, it's war. And, that's, and that idea of sounding the trumpet is, is that, that Gideon and his 300-person army, what they're saying is, we've done all the battle strategy, all the planning, we've done all the, all the uh, getting to, the, to the, the group that's going to come to battle, and now there's no more you know, ready, set. It's, it's go time. It's go time. Now, this is war. We're declaring it by sounding this trumpet. We're saying the battle is on. The battle is on. Job uh, 22, verse 28 says, says this, that, that uh, you shall decree, you shall declare a thing, and it will be established unto you. That there's something about when you declare it. Not when you're just kind of saying a bunch of stuff and mumbling around. But when you, when you decide... I'm going to declare this thing. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I'm not going to stand in the gray anymore. I'm stepping into this, and I mean business. I want to tell you, that sets something in motion that wasn't there before. I love what Eisenhower said. He said, war is a terrible thing, but if you're going to get into it, you've got to get into it all the way. There's no gray areas in the kingdom. There's, no, there's, there's none of this, well, I kind of got one foot in and one foot out, or I'm kind of a little indecisive, and I don't know for sure, but, but I want to. No, it's, 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 it's drawing the line in the sand and vocalizing specifically what's happening. Today is a new day. Today I'm, today I'm choosing. I love what Deuteronomy 30, 19, uh, chapter 30, verse 19 says. It says, I call, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your, both your, you and your descendants will live. Right? Make the decision. And by the way, you've got to make the decision every day. Somebody said, well, you know, I, I, mean, I came to Jesus like 20 years ago, and I've kind of been coming to church. And every day, every day. You, we know this, don't we? There's, there's a real devil not the little red, pokey-eared, tail, pitchfork thing that, that you see around. There's, there's a real force that means evil for your life and doesn't want to see you serve God. Just as sure as, as we're here today, uh, there's an enemy of your soul. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When the Bible says in the book of Job that when the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord, Satan came also. And he said, We're, you know, the Lord says, what are you doing? He said, I'm kind of going up and down to and fro on the earth. What? Looking for who I may devour. And so, and so Moses is saying, hey, this is the time to draw the line in the sand. Joshua says something very, very similar in Joshua 24, verse 15. He said, now, you go ahead and choose, do what you're going to do, but ask for me and my house. I don't know what you all are going to do, but for, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It may, it may be a gray day tomorrow, or it may look like stuff isn't going my way, but I made the decision today. I've crossed the line. I'm all in. I'm going to serve the Lord. 
That's where it's got to land for all of us. I love it in 1 Kings 18.21 when Elijah, one of my favorite scenes in the Bible. There's probably about 200 other ones, but this is one of them. Before Elijah does the big showdown on Mount Carmel, God's going to answer by fire. He looks out at the, at the, at the people. He says, this is KJV for you. Why halt ye between two opinions? Why are you faltering between two opinions? Why do you continue to vacillate between these two opinions? If the Lord be God, then serve him, and if Baal, then serve him. Just make the decision. Don't, be, don't, don't do this thing where you're kind of lukewarm, because I'll spit you out of my mouth. There's a word, right? Somebody said, I love the loving, compassionate, merciful God. God wants you to be all in. And you get all in, I'm going to tell you, he'll blow your mind with stuff he'll do beyond you. But when you kind of hang out in, that, in that, that greasy place of back and forth, and that happens, happens in our faith and in making a decision for Christ as Lord of our life, you've got to make it every day. It also happens Happens in, you know, Jesse was talking about giving. That we'll, we'll get to that place where we hear that and we feel like that, that tug, but then we push it away. Because you may, you may step in and say, you know what, I'm going to trust God in my finances. I'm going to give a percentage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this 10% thing. I'm going to set it aside, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it and give it. And then next week, wow, I got a bill I wasn't expecting. Anybody ever had this happen? looked like, where, where, where did that come from? Because, Lord, I just did that. And, and I just say this, that on that day, you cross the line, you just hang in there. You don't back up. Oh, that was a wrong, no, that was the right decision. Now I've got to wait for God to confirm what I trusted him with. I'm just telling you this. You, you may have stepped across the line today and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start this journey of being faithful in my giving, and God blesses your socks off this week. But if he doesn't, you don't turn your back and run. Jesus said this. Jesus says this about the kingdom. He said, and again, this is Jesus' words. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow, it's straight, isn't it? Right? Get your focus on him. Doesn't matter what conditions look like. Doesn't matter what situations around me look like. I'm moving forward. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Don't ever get the message that somebody said, that some people put out that, well, Christianity is going to be like red carpet and it's going to be easy. No, it's not going to be hard like the way of a transgressor, but you're going to have some mountaintops and some valleys. You were made for the even places. Did you know that? Right? Human beings were made to walk on even places. We, we can do the mountains, but we weren't meant to live on the top of the mountain, and we weren't meant to hang out in the valley all the time. And God will bring even to your life and balance your life when you just make a decision, God, I'm all in. Your word says you're never going to leave me. God, I'm never going to leave you, even if I could. So maximize the power of small in my life. I've got to declare today, my mind is made up. No changing, no changing. Second thing about a trumpet is, and when they're blowing the trumpet is, um, it provided synchronization. And that's important, important in war. Remember years ago in the old like um, movies that maybe they'd be like uh, they'd be these um, burglars or something, or they'd be some somebody doing some spy mission, and they get together and they say, "Let's synchronize our watches before the mission started." Anybody remember that? Double seven, yeah, double seven, and they synchronize their watches, and what they're wanting to do is make sure they're all together, not out of sync. Synchronize, that, that, that first part of that word, S-Y-N, comes from the idea of same. You said the word synonym, you're looking for a word that means the same. And then chronos, which means time. Same time, together with the same time. Because you don't want warfare where, where they sound the trumpet and then two or three go, and then, okay, then here comes 20, and then comes the rest like 30 seconds later because the enemy's like, well, that don't sound like much. We didn't even hear the first one. <laughs> Barely heard the last one. Must be a bird. Synchronization. So important. Um, you're, you're the, the, the idea of the synchronicity of sound. You ever do that thing where you're in a, you're in a, uh, a place, a public place, and all of a sudden you get one of those amber alerts? We know what that is, don't we? 
Like, it's like nuclear war. You think somebody's hit the button, like, pick your phone up, and then it'll tell about some red car and a child or whatever. You read it. Here's what happens if you look at everybody around you. Everybody's synchronized doing the same thing because of the sound they heard. The idea of synchronization is so important. It's important for you. It's important that you are together with people, synchronized with people. That's the importance of what we do as a church. We're singing songs together. This morning we're praying together. We're giving together. We're in the word together. We'll respond together, synchronized. I, I tend to think that many times Sunday morning, it's many things. One of the thing, things that it is, it is this, and for a local group of believers to synchronize with the people they're a part of and with the vision that they're a part of. Are you with me? In fact, Matthew uh, 18, 19 in the, mess, or the Amplified Bible says this, Again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind in harmony like a symphony, about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. God's saying when we come together, when we're synchronized together. I just, just yesterday morning was uh, at the hospital with um, the Ellingtons, Mike and Carol. Some of you know them. They usually come to the first service. Carol, we prayed for now for seeming, uh, seems like a couple years, uh, just a condition with her liver that uh, the doctors didn't give any kind of hope, and so we pray. There's a certain number, and I can't remember what the number was for, but it needed to be six, and she'd get up to like 14 or, or higher, and, and we'd pray for her. Sometimes at prayer on Saturday morning at 9, we prayed right here for her. And I'm just going to tell you, over and over again, her numbers would drop. In fact, there was a period, a season, where she'd go to the doctors, numbers drop. Next time, numbers lower, numbers lower, and Wow. And then recently, her numbers went up. And, um, and last, last that I remember, last week, I believe it was, it was either 26 or 28 when it needs to be 6. So, so and they, they put her on a liver transplant list. Well, just show you this. God, God heals supernaturally, and sometimes God uses methods in, humans hand, in the human beings' hands to, to accomplish healing. And um, Friday night, she'd not been on the list very long at all. And I know a little bit about transplant. We had a good friend that, that was on a transplant list, life or death situation, and for a long time, never got a match, and a young, young person that died. And so I know, I know how those lists can be. So Friday night, again, not on the list very long, they get a call. Mike, it'd be a sick prank, but he just thinks it's like some kind of prank or scam caller. We need you to be at IU Hospital. There's a liver. Yesterday morning, she's there. They did the surgery yesterday. She's got a new liver. I'm telling you right now. Her numbers went up just in the right time. And now she said, they said they're going to put you in ICU. She told me they're going to have a tube down my throat. And I, I could tell. I mean, I'd be nervous too. Anybody, right? We'd be like, little concerned about all this, and they show, showed a picture of her. She's just sitting on the bed, got her phone in her hand. Hopefully she's watching live right now. Smile on her face. Isn't it amazing? The power of coming together, because we prayed, and we prayed together. We didn't know how God was. I remember praying, God, give her a new liver. Well, God did, didn't he? Some of you prayed that prayer. Yeah. So, so let, me, let me help you. When we connect, when we connect and, and, and we're synchronized, we've got to make sure that we know who we're synchronizing with. Remember, it's, it's a few years ago, we'd have one of those times where we had, um, I don't know, three or four year, times in the history of me being here for 14-plus years. We've, the worship person at the time wanted to have an open audition, and they had the, that. And Auditions simply mean this that everybody's not going to the next level, right? Because there wouldn't be a need for auditions if everybody's going to go. That's maybe helping somebody right now. So they have auditions because they're pursuing excellence and trying to, trying to get people. And, and, and a few years ago, a lady came, and 
this lady, uh, I remember at the door, um, I remember at the door, first time she was here, she went out, I met her, and she came back in, and she said, I just want to tell you, these are the most unfriendly people I've ever met. And like, you know, I don't say thank you, or, because <laughs> I know Elevation Church, number one, and I know that we're a pretty friendly place, right? Would you agree? And just so you know, if you're not friendly, you need to change that and be friendly, okay? I say that every once in a while. For somebody on the seat next to you, you may think they don't want to talk to you. Talk to them anyhow, okay? I know, I know COVID has messed us up with how to interact socially. You can say something to somebody, and it's okay, okay? You, if, you, if you don't want to touch anybody, just say, I don't touch, but I'm glad you're here. I don't know. Do what you do, right? Fist bump them or elbow them or whatever, you know, but I'm just saying that be friendly. Being friendly has not went out of style, right? And so she said that, and I said, okay, well, I'm sorry that happened, and I apologized, and, and then a couple other little things, because she kept coming. Even though we were unfriendly, she thought she'd come. That's <laughs> where I want to be, the unfriendly church. And so she, she kept coming, and, uh, and you know, um, man, she's probably 10 years older than me. It, it, very immodest, I'll just say it that way. Very immodest in the way that she would, she would be, and... Um, and then they had this audition thing, and she wanted to be on the team, and she didn't make it. She didn't make it. I had nothing to do with that, but, you know, I kind of knew before she probably wasn't going to make it, but, you know, she tried, and um, she didn't make it. And then she just, because she picked up a fence. Anybody know what that is? Not a fence, a fence, right? The, the enemy of your soul, he sets a trap. And on the trap, many times, that bait that will lure you in is a fence. You pick it up. That's impossible, Jesus said, for no offenses to come. Sometime in life, somebody will do something, and you have the opportunity to be offended. And so she just picked that up, and she's just all offended. You can tell she's offended. Kind of felt sorry for her, but, you know, I don't know, you know. Um, and, uh, and then there was another little lady that came who was as sweet as can be, just a sweet little I'm thinking 15 years older than me. I don't know. Could have been 20. And uh, somehow she picked up that fence for them too, that with them, because she synchronized with that lady and her husband. Now what happened was that first couple went on, that lady went on, did their thing. And then the other lady told somebody, hey, I feel like my season's up here. I'm going to go some other place. And Thank you. And I used to, when I was a young pastor, I'd hunt you down. My wife posted on Facebook yesterday that somebody told her I look like Liam Neeson. Uh, yeah. I'm Liam Neeson playing a bald man, okay? <laughs> Anyways, you know, uh, used to, I would hunt you. <laughs> I would come and find you, and we'd have a conversation every time when I was a young guy. Now I just know people are going to make decisions, and I don't take it personally, and, you know, some people make bad decisions, and I can't fix those. And so this little lady got word to me that she decided that she needed to go someplace, and she left. Well, here's what happened. Couple, two or three months ago, we get a call. It's that little nice little lady that picked up the offense with those people. She wasn't offended, but she picked it up, synchronized with them. She calls and says, I've got stage four cancer. Now, that's nothing to do with what happened here. That's just what happened in life. And so we sent people over, prayed for her, was there for her. Here's what happened. She synchronized with them, and she never was able to find a place with people that would help her along to maximize the power of small in her life, never was around people that had vision. Here's how I know, because she called us back after three or four years not being here. And we went and prayed, and she passed away just recently. So sad. And here's what, here's what happens. Here's what can happen. You can synchronize your life with people that will just continue to keep you small. You can synchronize yourself with vision that keeps you small. That's why it's so important that, that, that we are aware who are the people in our life and whose relationships are like elevators. You know that, right? You get on an elevator, it's either going to take you up or down. Relationships are either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. They're not going to leave you the same. 
Colossians 2.8 in the Message Bible says this, watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. There are people that, will, that you'll hear them and it sounds uh, tempting and it sounds uh, a little bit appealing and attractive. Be careful because you may sync up with somebody that doesn't have your best interest at heart. Maximize the power of small by synchronizing with people and vision that God places in your life. Next thing that happens is they have these pitchers, these jars, and they break them. And they break them. And the thing that I landed on here is, is this, that, that idea of brokenness. You see this acorn, uh, the outside, we recognize it as an acorn. In fact, if I... If I took the insides out and laid them here, you may not know that's an acorn. You may just think that's some kind of stuff. I haven't even opened this up to see what's inside. Could crack it right now and find out. The most important part of it is what's inside. This little lid on top and the shell and that stem, those don't produce an oak tree. It's what's inside that produces the oak tree. But for what's inside, to reach its maximum potential, the outside has to be broken. Are you with me? And for you in your life, you can't ever get to the place that God has for you if you don't have a willingness to be broken. And I know they're not selling this on the Hollywood TV channel, Christian TV channel, brokenness, but brokenness is a necessity for us. Because here's what, here's what the psalmist said in Psalms 34, 18, that, that, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So it's like that, old, 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 or that idea of people getting old furniture. I see this a lot nowadays. They'll get some old piece of furniture that looks like, like they should set it out and somebody has Somebody's had it for a while, it's all scuffed up and marked up and used and wore out, and they'll set it out someplace or they'll take it someplace, and somebody will grab that, and they'll get it, and they'll pull the old upholstery off, and, and the wood places, they'll, they'll sand. Sanding is a rough procedure. Summer I was out of high school, my dad had a friend that owned a body shop. I said, okay, they'll pay me, I'll work there. My first job, they, on the body shop, they put me out in the hot sun, blocked sanding this, this car. And I did the whole thing, like, I mean, I, and I went in, and I said, hey, I sanded. They said, okay, go sand it more. It's like July. I'm back out there. I, I think I was out there like two hours. Went back in. Hey, they said, yeah, sand it some more. It was rough on me. For the car, the finish that was on it was all gone. It was just rough, ugly-looking metal. Furniture, they'll take it and they'll sand it off, and they'll, they'll, they'll take just an edge of that off. But all of that is so that it can be beautified. And you may be in a tough time right now, maybe a hard time, and you're wondering, God, where are you at? Maybe, maybe you're going through the place of, of brokenness so that you can get what's inside of you, what he's put inside of you, out so that you can become all that he desired for you to be. Brokenness is a blessing because through it comes breakthrough. You won't get to breakthrough when you feel like you got it all together and everything's okay. In fact, the word says this in Psalms 51, 17, David, David said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. That God comes near the brokenhearted, that God desires. In fact, Psalms 147, 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I can't get to the healing part if, if I'm in a place where I feel like I've just got it all all together. Yeah, so Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the, holy, uh, the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Get God in the right perspective. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. 
that there's a place that we get to in life where God is able to do something in our life, but it's when, but it's when self is broken. Right? It is strength in the spirit that's born only through weakness. Paul was broken on the Damascus Road. Peter, after Jesus died, he was taken to prison. He was broken. Jacob, broken at Peniel. David was broken after. He wrote those words in Psalms 51 after his affair with Bathsheba. He said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Broken. The king, the, 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 guy that, the guy that could go out and get a victory every time. The guy that, the guy that seemingly uh, was anointed at a young age, could fight the, the lion and the bear, could take down Goliath. The people loved him, and yet now he, here he is, a broken man. Brokenness is a necessity. I love what John Maxwell says about, about broken characteristics of broken people. It's when all your rights have been surrendered. That's brokenness. When you just said, you know what, Lord, I'm not entitled to anything. I'm not entitled to you doing anything in my life. I just want to serve you. If I don't get that and I don't get this and I never have that, God, I've, I've declared that I'm all in. I'm going to serve you. My rights don't matter. That's, that's countercultural in our world. I know that. When you're willing to be rejected, sometimes people ask me something. They'll say, Pastor, I get this idea, I like to da 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 da. But if not, it's okay. And I know, really, it's not okay. They want to hear yes. They want to hear yes so bad. I was someplace the other day, and I got the turkey chili. And it's pretty good if you put a bunch of Tabasco sauce on it. So I didn't know. I said, hey, I couldn't find any Tabasco sauce. They said, we've been out of that for a while. And sometimes that's why I'm bald. I'm like, kind of head scratcher. We've been out of that for a while. It's not the right answer. That is the wrong answer. Go to Kroger and buy some. I don't know. Get some Tabasco sauce in this house, right? That is not customer service. That's something else, but it's not customer service. But I didn't say all that. I said, okay. But it really wasn't okay. She said, we've been ordering it. She said, the truck came in yesterday. Let me go check. No, we don't have any. It's okay. My chili's cold now and I have no Tabasco. I didn't say that. Ran through my head a little bit because I didn't want to hear no. We don't like rejection. Brokenness means, God, you may say no, and that's okay because I'm not committed to you just for the yes. I'm committed to you because of who you are and what you've already done for me. And if you never do another thing for me, God, you've already done more than I deserve. It's when you get to that place that you've, you've made the decision that I can, I can take no. Oh, here's one. You're willing, that you are willing, your willingness to share failures. That's like what we like to do, isn't it? Here, I'm going to give them all to you. I'll just give you, there's 28 of them. You are teachable. Yes. My friend Chet over here, was, one of our podcasts, the Resolute Podcast. It's mainly for pastors and leaders, but you can listen to it too. If you go to wherever you listen to podcasts, if you don't, go to the place people listen to podcasts, the Resolute Podcast. And one of the times we tell stories. And I try not to tell stories that are too close. You know what I mean? You don't, so it's okay. I'm not going to tell a story about you. Let's say that. At least not use your name. But he was telling a story about this lady, and he had these, these banners up. It's okay to tell a story? Yeah. <laughs> Usually asked after I start it. That way I don't have to hear No. These banners up that, that kind of kind of just the values or the pillars they were their church was was just into at that time and that season and and put them up there and just hoping so here's what pastors think well we hope that everybody gets it and just hoping that this will remind people this is what we're doing and this little lady said to him pastor 
Won't you take those down? Nobody likes those anyhow. And I know Chet's probably not like this every time. He'd already heard her say things like that a bunch of times. But at that moment, he said something to this effect, my paraphrasal. You know what your problem is? Something to this effect. You're not teachable. You got it all together. You know, you know it all. You, that's a bad place to be. Don't, don't, don't mature in years and get to a place where, where you think you're not that you can't be taught. I learn new stuff all the time, right? I want to be teachable. Brokenness means I don't know it all, but I can learn something from somebody that, 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 that I didn't expect to learn something from. The other thing they do is they hold the torches. Torches represent fire and power. I won't spend much time here. Just this. Your, your, your torches represent the fire and them represent light and power. You're called to be the light. People should see that. Don't be hidden. Brokenness allows people to see the light. Fire, right, it's, it's, that, it's what produces power. I can't give you the list of the many things that fire produces power with, but fire produces power. The Holy Spirit in your life will produce power, but that comes as I experience brokenness in my life. And the last one is voice. It says this, that they... Lifted up, some Bibles say cried out or shouted, team, you can come. With a loud voice, and they said, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They're outnumbered. There's really, there's no hope outside of God doing something, but God shows up. And it says this, even though they didn't have a sword, people turned on one another with their swords, and they fled. They look like the minority, and yet... Right? In themselves, they are. When I was a kid, I'd hear people say, you're no match for the devil. Well, that's true in me. But when you put God, when you, when, when, when you have God in your life and the power of the Holy Spirit working, you become the majority. You become, right, there's, there's no fear in this. I don't have to fear. You may, you may go someplace tomorrow, and maybe it's in your, your place of business or somewhere in the marketplace or your neighborhood, you may feel like a minority, like nobody around me serving God. It's okay. You're the majority. You're the majority. You're the majority. And so what I've got to do is this. I've got to lift my voice up and make that declaration because the voice, when they said the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, what they were saying is, this is victory. This victory is ours. We're not living in defeat. We're not less than. We're not small. We, we, we have a God who's fighting our battle, and we're going to lift up a voice of victory. I want to tell you that one of the things that's so important is that you start your day with victory. Lifting up your voice. It could be in your prayer time. It could be a declaration. I'm just saying, many times, there's many days that I say this. This is... This today is the Lord's day, and I'm going to rejoice in it. It's not my day. It's not somebody else's day. It's his day. And because he's perfect, there's perfection in this day. I've just got to rejoice in it. I want to tell you, I can't control your week, and I can't control your month. Neither can you. But you can make a start to every day by lifting up a voice of victory, not a voice of defeat. Not a voice that looks at your circumstances and say, well, I don't know how anything good can come today. No, voice of victory. Voice of victory. Today, I'm going to be victorious. Because God called me to be an overcomer more than a conqueror. There's victory in Jesus for me. A miracle can happen now in my life. The thing that I was unable to do, God can do. Little is much when God is in it.